Welcome to church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see all the beautiful faces. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. COVID is over. We are seeing faces. You know, coming out of the shed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, joining us online from afar. If you can type where you're joining us from, that would be wonderful. For those joining us online, whether you're from South Africa or Germany or from Trenton, or from Trenton, New Jersey, all right? Let's know where you're watching us, where you're watching from. We know we are people from, obviously, Texas. We are people from uh, uh, North Carolina. We have Delawareans. Amen. All right. We have so many. God bless you. Just... Let us know where you are watching from today, and God bless you, amen, amen. Some of you might be, might have been taking a, you know, wondering what uh, Minister Tyre was talking about. Uh, this, uh, this earlier last week, we lost one of our wonderful sisters, uh, Kemi Aladi Meiji, uh, who was with us. Uh, actually, she she was a member here for a number of years. I moved to Texas about nine years ago. But she's one of those people that, uh, even though they've been gone for nine years, it doesn't feel like uh, she's left this place. Uh, she is a sister to our wonderful sister Janet, who is the head of our uh, dance ministry. Uh, a relative and nieces, cousins to the Olatubosons, and uh, a wonderful friend to many people here. Uh, it was a devastating loss. Uh, so some of us have been mourning. Uh, many of you probably don't know her, but uh, she, she meant so much to us, and uh, uh, we pray for the family, and we you know, just pray for strength. We pray for grace uh, to really, really bear the loss uh, of our wonderful sister. She was an amazing, amazing warrior. She was uh, an exemplary Christian, even in the face of uh, illness. Uh, she handled it the way a true Christian should. Uh, she was calm. She was uh, joyful. She was, uh, she kept her smile all through. Uh, she's somebody I will admire for the rest of my life, especially knowing how she handled uh, the battle. Uh, so, I just want to encourage everyone. Uh, I know we prayed. Our push army did an incredible job. I to pray for her throughout, you know, especially at the, cricket, at the cricket time of our illness, uh, you know. But sometimes we just have to submit some things to, to God's hands. Amen. Amen. Our faith brings heaven to us, but sometimes they don't. They bring us to heaven. And uh, faith ultimately is about submitting to the will of God. 
It's about submitting to the will of the Father. So at least I don't want you to be discouraged. I don't want you to be in despair. I don't want you to really question your faith. Uh, the, the, our faith is dynamic. It covers every aspect of our lives. Jesus, actually, Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, even only in this world we have hope. We are of all men most miserable. So our hope is not only, the hope of our faith is not just about this world. In fact, that is secondary. It is about our eternal home that we have with, with Christ Jesus. Apostle Paul, at some point in his life, Philippians 1.20 say, I eagerly expect and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but we have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Sometimes he's exalted by living. Sometimes he's exalted by dying. I am comforted that I know I will see her again. I am comforted I know we will meet at the feet of Jesus. It's not a goodbye, it's a good night. Uh, so let's be encouraged. Let's mourn. Uh, you know, it's a major loss. She's a gentle giant, a wonderful soul, beautiful family, a major, major loss. But let's mourn like as people with hope. We are people of hope. We are not people without hope. All right? This is... This, is, this, this should distinguish us as believers, uh, that we truly believe in eternity that we talk about. Uh, and the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen and amen. I'm hoping that helps and that encourages you. Amen. We have a number of events coming up uh, that I really want to encourage you to participate in. Uh, Run for Roselle will be next month. All right. I thought I would hear. All right. Run for Rosé next month. Please let's sign up. Uh, the website. What is the website? Runforrosel.org. All right. Let's go there. Uh, let's participate in uh, in this wonderful, wonderful project uh, that we do every year. Let's show our support. If you want. Outsiders to support, we have to support, all right? Please, let's do that. I want to encourage everyone. Uh, we, need, we, need, we want to get at least 100 people from Agape that will sign up for Run for Roselle. You don't have to run. You can walk, all right? And if you can't walk, you can crawl, you know what I mean? Or you can just go and clap for people that are, that are all right? It's all welcome, all right? God bless you. Amen. Lastly... Our meet and greet will be today, so if you have been coming, we've not been opportune to really connect with you properly through uh, our meet and greet. Uh, it will be right after service, about 12.30 or so. We'll be meeting at the prayer chapel, just ask for prayer chapel, but simply you go through this door and make a right. So if you have been coming to Agape in the last few months and you are... You know, you are warming up to it. You're like, wow, I like what I'm seeing. I like to know a little more. I like to meet the pastor. I like to meet uh, Pastor B. I like to meet some of the leaders. Uh, you know, please join us after the service. God bless you.
Amen. So, Father, we thank you for a wonderful time. Uh, we've had, this has been just amazing, basking in your presence, enjoying your goodness, and we just want to say thank you. We know your word is powerful. Your word is quick. Your word is sharper than any two of your sword. Your word can transform, transfigure, change, and your word will grant us our inheritance among those who are sanctified. Please speak to us today in Jesus' name. I won't forget to thank the men that came for the retreat. Amen. Uh, we had an, an amazing time. It was different, just different, just having men, you know, together, you know, it was, uh, it was an amazing time. Uh, I don't want to start, I might cry. It was, it was, it was that good. Now, if I talk about it, I think I'll break down and cry. It was so, it was such a moving time. It was such a moving time. Uh, older men, middle-aged men, younger men coming together, praying, locking hands, loving one another. You know, it was just beautiful. Uh, God bless you, man. And uh, I believe we will do this yearly from now on. Amen. So we will continue our message. Uh, the house that God is building. The house that God is building. Hallelujah. The house that God is building. So last week, we talked about the, the two kinds of fellowship that, that God talks about. First of all, we talked about the two kinds of relationship that we as believers share with God. The first one is our permanent relationship with God. We simply call that relationship. The Bible uses the word sonship uh, to describe it or being a child. Hallelujah. Children of God. That relationship is a gift that we receive from God. Hallelujah. To those who receive him, he has given them the authority to become children of God. So when we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we enter into a permanent relationship with God. Hallelujah. That doesn't change. All right? It does not change. It's constant. It is a permanent relationship with God because we are, we become his children. But on top of that, we must maintain a fellowship with God. Hallelujah. We must maintain fellowship with God. That second level of relationship is by choice. It's not, it's not a gift per se. It is a choice we make. A choice we must make to be in fellowship with God. Jesus says, abide with me and I in you. Hallelujah. A branch cannot bear fruit, using the analogy of a branch and a, and a stem, all right, unless 
it abides. All right? So it's, it's calling us to stay in touch, to stay connected. You can be in relationship with someone and not be in fellowship with them and not really have good connection with them, even though you have a permanent relationship. All right? And I, I use an example of being married. You can be married with someone and not have a good relationship. What that, what that leads to is you will, you will not be able to enjoy the benefit of relationship. See, the benefit of sonship, the benefit of being in connection with God, uh, we will not be able to enjoy it unless we maintain a good fellowship with the Father. That's why Paul, we always talk about the fellowship or the continuous fellowship of the Holy Spirit to abide with us, all right? Because unless we abide in continuous fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we will miss out on a lot of things that God has for us, on the inheritance that he has for us. I mean, everything that we have from God is by inheritance, you know, once we become a child, I mean, that song was so powerful, I am a child of God. Help you meditate on that song. What is the implication? What is the implication of being a child? Jesus said, you are here. And he said, and if here, you are joint heir with Christ, right? Joint heir, we, that means we become partaker of his inheritance. We become partaker of his joy, partaker of what he has not earnest. We don't need to do anything. We are just, by virtue of just being children, we become partakers. Praise the name of Jesus. So what the enemy does then is to try to get us out of fellowship. All right? The enemy knows that he can get us out of sonship because it's a permanent relationship. Right? He can get us once you have accepted Christ. You don't lose your salvation unless you renounce your faith. All right? You don't lose it. Now, but the enemy does a good job of breaking our fellowship, knowing that when we are out of fellowship, we miss out the blessing of sonship. Praise Jesus. And he uses many things. I mean, sin is obviously one, the, the easiest example when we live in sin, when we commit sin, and when we, are, when we fall into sin, what that does is it causes us to, it breaks our fellowship with God. All right? And that's why God has put a restoration process, which is forgiveness of sin. All right? That's why you, you shouldn't wait. Some people wait until they get to church to ask for forgiveness of sin. That's, that's not the attitude of a Christian. That's a religious attitude. All right? It's religious that when we wait until we're about to go to bed and we have this list of prayer, Father, forgive us uh, our sins, even the one we were not even aware that we commit. You know, we have all this uh, religious uh, spill that we just say to God. Uh, that, that's really not how it works. A child of God quickly restores fellowship as soon as you know, you know, and that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us, you didn't do well, you know, you did that, you had a lossful thoughts, you know, 
or you hated this person in your heart, or you did this, you know, once the Holy Spirit brings that to our awareness, you know, what do we do? We confess. The Bible says if we, if we say we have no sin, we are liars. We deceive ourselves, right? But if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive and not only forgives, he cleanses us. You see, because sin, uh, it puts a very filthy garment on us. But when we confess, God forgives. He says, fine. Then he cleanses us. Then we, uh, our fellowship is restored. The problem with many people, many of us, is when we sin and we go on, once we're out of fellowship, there is a gap between you and God, once you're out of fellowship. And the longer you stay out of fellowship, the, 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 more, the more insensitive your conscience is. All right? The less sensitive your conscience is. So you, that's why people start out by a little sin, right? And they, they don't do anything about it. Little sin become bigger sin. And, and they, I mean, they used to feel so bad about these things and gradually you don't really feel as bad anymore. And you are gone, you are gone. And you, you can be living in a state of not being in fellowship for a very long time. And what happens when you are not in fellowship, you are, you are not... You lose a lot of benefit. Your life is in chaos. I mean, the enemy can come and dump all kinds of things into your life. He brings all kinds of mess. You know, he dumps them into your, into your backyard. And uh, because you are not in fellowship. So we have to be very, very careful that we maintain fellowship with God. I mean, anytime we harbor bitterness to people, we are breaking fellowship. And that's why you really have to protect your hearts. There are other things that break fellowship. Worry breaks fellowship. You know, when you really live in worry, when you, are, when you live in worry, you know, you, you, it breaks your fellowship. You're not able to fellowship. It blocks you. And that's why we must really keep ourselves from worrying. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you getting blessed? Are you getting blessed? Amen. So we now talked about the two levels of fellowship. Uh, there is individual fellowship because we all have individual fellowship that we must maintain. But also there is corporate fellowship. There's corporate fellowship. The two of them are very connected. They are connected. They, in fact, one is impossible without the other. It is very important. And sometimes we miss the corporate fellowship part, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit more in depth today. We're going to read 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from our sin. I want you to look at that scripture. If we are children of light and we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the result of being in the light is that we are able to have fellowship. Hallelujah. 
you know, with one another. There is fellowship. And because we are in fellowship, the blood of Jesus purifies us. So there's a level of purification that happens because we are in fellowship with one another. And that's why we must not... That's why it's actually impossible to really be the kind of Christian that God wants you to be without really being in fellowship with other believers. It's impossible. I know there's a lot of, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you know, we like to say it's our work with God is individual. It's an individual work that depends on corporate work. All right? It, it, cannot, be, it's, it's, it cannot be sustained by itself. Hallelujah. You know, you can be married and not go home. But you probably won't be married for a very long time. All right. You say, I'm married and never show up at home. And just send your wife an email, text, and never show up at home. After a while, you probably won't have a home anymore. So that's kind of how it is. You can't say, oh, it's just an individual work. I don't need, a fe- I don't need fellowship. You won't be in that fellowship for a very long time. Uh, it, it is almost virtually impossible uh, because that's not how God designed it. Hallelujah. I'm going to read another scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. He said, you also, like living stones, I want you to notice that he's talking about plural here. It's a plural word. It's a plural, you know, he's using plural uh, uh, words here, right? are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Even 1 Peter 2.9 continues to say, you are a royal priesthood. Those are not individualistic statements. No, no, no single person is a royal priesthood in the sense that God is talking about. It is all of us, you know, together. It is together that we become, you know, we form the image of Christ. It is together that we are the body of Christ. If you read Ephesians chapter 4, even verse 12, verse 11 and 12 talked about, you know, God gives us, you know, apostles, prophets, you know, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and it talks about the purpose, which is, you know, for the work of the ministry, you know, to, to, to strengthen us, to train us, uh, to equip us for the work of the ministry. And he says, until we all come to the unity of faith, until we all become attained to the measure of the fullness of Christ. So no single person can attain the measure of the fullness of Christ by themselves. You do it in, in fellowship with others, in connection with others. Hallelujah. It is very important. I'll read another scripture, 1 John chapter 1. I will, I'll go back to 1 John chapter 1 that we read. I will read verse 3. Verse 3, verse three says, this is Apostle John. I wrote this. We proclaim to you, what we have seen and heard. You know, Apostle John was the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, one of the closest 
people to Jesus while he was here. He said, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Did you see that? So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, this corporate fellowship is deep, is fundamental, and it is very, it's a critical part of our work with Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, what is the fellowship we are talking about? The, the corporate fellowship. Now, first of all, I want to really clear, I want to tell you what it is not. It is not socializing. You know, we have, you know, we use the word fellowship to mean hanging out. You know, that, that's a casual use of it, but sometimes we can use some word that causes the word to lose its true meaning. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. So it's not social activity. It's not, you know, in the olden days, you know, churches, we have what is called fellowship hall. All right? The, the idea of fellowship hall is after service, right? We all go to the basement. You know, some mothers will have, you know, they bake some things and have some soda there. And we say, oh, we just, we're going to the fellowship hall. We're having fellowship. Now, those could enhance fellowship, but that is really not the fellowship that the Bible is talking about here. You see, fellowship is sharing a common life with other believers. That is really what fellowship is, sharing a common life, a life that we together share with God the Father and the Son. And that's, that's it. It is a relationship. It is not an activity. All right? It is not an activity. It is a relationship. It is sharing a common life with other believers. A life that we now together share with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. Koinonia. Many, I mean, most of us are probably familiar, you know, many of us, koinonia. Which is interpreted, is interpreted as many things when you read the Bible. Sometimes it's interpreted as partnership. Sometimes it's interpreted as uh, participation. All right? Participation. To participate. Praise Jesus. Sometimes it is sharing. You know, so sometimes it's the word is used, is the word sharing is used. But it is really a deep connection, relationship between believers who share in the life of Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. So how does this happen? The fellowship we're talking about. That's the essence of church. That's really why God designed church. Church is to help us find fellowship. Hallelujah. You know, that's, that's, that's the whole essence. The essence is for the church to, have, to help us find fellowship. Now, 
The problem is you can have a church without fellowship. You can have a church. And especially what we have turned church to in our modern day, church has largely become an event. You know, that we show up to every Sunday. You know, that's, you know. And unfortunately, the larger a church grows, the more event-driven it becomes. I mean, so, so, so you can, a lot of people can be in church without really having fellowship. That explains why a lot of people are not really participating in the, ble- in the, participating in the blessing of working with God as much. Hallelujah. So, so we must really begin to understand that church is not an event. Uh, you know, don't say I attend church. You know, church is actually not something you attend. Church is something you belong to. All right? Thank you for the clap. At least uh, I'm encouraged. <laughs> After hours of preparation, you can, yeah, at least you can get a clap. Woo! I miss you, Sister Bissy. You've not been around for a while. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, Sunday events are very important. Sunday events, Sunday gathering, they are like family celebration. All right? Because family must come together and celebrate. They are family celebration. They are also a wonderful way to introduce people to our family, right? So Sunday service is the living room of church, right? That's, I mean, that's where you all gather, or family room. I mean, family room of church, right? So we gather together in the family room. You know, we have fun. We enjoy. We have, you know, we, we worship. We do all kinds, you know, you know, but... Anyone can come to the family room, right? Not everybody gets to the kitchen. Not everybody gets to the, to, the, to the other rooms, right? There are many, many rooms. Only family people really get to the other rooms. I want to ask you, have you just been coming to the family room alone? Some people, it's just about the family room. You don't have an idea what goes on in the other rooms. So, so Sunday event is very important, uh, but really they are to they are they can serve as an introduction to someone that is new to really have an idea of what this family is about. Right now, if you now want to go to the next level, you must be part of fellowship. So let's look at the early church. Let's, let's take a look at the scripture. Let's go back to the book of Acts and look at how the Bible describes the, the early church. I think that will, maybe that will get, shed a little more light on what we are talking about. Are you getting blessed? All right. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is the early church now, how they started. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
unto fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Hallelujah. Really, this is how the early church operates. The Bible says they devoted themselves to certain things. The apostles' teachings. They, that means they, they really gave a lot of time for that. All right? And to fellowship. They dedicated time to really sharing their life together. You know, we describe fellowship, right? Sharing a common life with other people and the life that we now share together with God, right, and with Jesus Christ. You see, believers who don't have those kind of life are missing out on the best that God has to offer. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's how they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. All right? That means that was very important to them. Now, they were a big church. At this, you know, they were, they were a big church in terms of numbers. There were thousands and thousands of people, right? But it was not just about the, it was not just about the large gathering, all right? It was not just, I mean, the, the smaller gathering was really the nucleus, was the essence of the church. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, so that means they were devoted to learning together in smaller groups. That's what it means, really. To fellowship, sharing life together with a group of people who are committed, who are, who are together now sharing life with Christ and with God. And to the breaking of bread. Uh, you know, that means they broke bread. Uh, and the way they broke bread was a little different from how we do it now. You know, we are more sophisticated now, right? That means they, met to, they actually met together in houses. So they met together. They had Holy Communion on the, every time they met. They broke bread. And prayer. They prayed together. And what was the result of this? Everyone was filled with hope because they are sharing life together and sharing it with God, with Christ. Everyone was filled with awe. Many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they 
love each other so radically that people sold property and possession to give to other people. I mean, that was an incredible fellowship. That was, that was the level of fellowship that these people had for each other. That was the level of connection that these people had with each other. That people went ahead and sold things so that other people can have. They sold property and possession to give anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their numbers those who are being saved. Hallelujah. This is really, really powerful. That is what the modern day church have not been able to replicate. You know, so when we wonder, well, how come we don't, you know, we are not like the book of Acts. We don't experience it because we don't practice it like the book of Acts. It's been difficult because obviously in the last few hundred years, we've been handed over a new model of church that is event-driven. Right? That's, that's what we have, event-driven. I mean, we just gather together, we go. We, for the most part, we live our life individually. You know, for the most part. I mean, some of us are able to really replicate that informally by really having a group of people that we share our life with. Uh, but most believers don't really practice Christianity that way. It's about me, it's about myself. I do whatever I need to do. Nobody holds me. I just, but I show up in church every Sunday. Give my tithe, give my offering, and move on. We're just, you know, we're just scratching the surface. There's more. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, there is more. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at element of a true fellowship. I'm sharing this to let you know that we, where we, as a church, we want to move our church further in this direction. Praise the name of Jesus. Because that is what it means to be disciples. You know, we've been talking about discipleship in the next, the last few months, right? That's what it means to really, you know, share life together. So we're going to look at three key elements. Loving one another is number one. It's the, it's, it's the element of true fellowship. That is, you are in a relationship with a group of people where you can truly love each other. And that, I mean, that, this is the kind of, this love that is made possible by the Holy Spirit. Where you are, these people love so much that they are like, wow, you can't be, I mean, they were there for each other. You know, loving one another. And I'm praying that we will be able to get to that place when we can truly love. In fact, Jesus said, this is how men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. And love is an action word. Right? Love is it's not a feeling. Love is an action word. 
So loving one another is the essence of fellowship. You know, when someone is going through, we are going through. When someone is in need, we are all in need. Right? When someone is money, we are all money. When someone is rejoicing, we are all rejoicing. Right? When someone can eat, then we can eat. You know, we must ensure that they have to eat. You know, when someone is, you know, is sick, we're all there. That is truly the essence of being a follower of Christ, being a disciple. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we want to be able to create this in our church. This environment where true love can really be fostered. Number two, learning together. Learning together. A fellowship is a group of people who are learning together. They're loving one another. They're learning together. All right? At least they are devoted to learning together. I mean, they're... they're they, they are devoted to, re- let's learn the scripture together. You see, scripture cannot be learned just alone individually. There's such a limitation. How many of us are in school of discipleship now? All right. God bless you. I hope you are t- attending your class. So you are not SOD in name only. You are not school of disciples, members, or students in name only. You are, you are really there. How does, you see, some of us, those who have been there, you can see the benefit of learning together. I mean, learning, going through the scripture together with a small group of people, trying to explore what it means. How does it apply to us? You know, how are, we, how are we walking through this? That's really how the early church, that's how they learned. That's, that's how they learned. You see, you can't really, you, you can't learn as much as God wants you to learn by listening to Pastor Gide every Sunday, even though he's such a great teacher, right? Right? But really, you are still limited. You're limited. You're limited. I mean, that's because that's not how God designed it. You see, learning together by going through the scriptures is the best way to learn. It is the wisdom of God that we have a group of people that we, we learn. What does this mean? And we pray together and we are vulnerable with each other, Right? We're able to say, wow, I, I, I need to, I'm not doing this. I think I need to do this. You know, when we are doing that, you see, what happens in that environment is there is the presence of Jesus. Yeah. There is the presence of Jesus that, that is so powerful because the fellowship is not just with people. It is also with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In that kind of atmosphere, more things happen transformation happen more than it can happen on a two-hour gathering on Sunday. 
Praise the name of Jesus. And number three that we see here is they are living out the gospel together. You see, living out the gospel, being witnesses, is also not so much an individual thing. I mean, if you look at this passage, they are all, right? They broke bread together from their own. They were, you know, with gladness, with a sincere heart. They are praising and enjoying the favor of all people. You know, what happened? Everyone was filled with awe. What happened? The Lord added to their number daily. So there is a collective grace that is just there because a bunch of people decide. See, we are going to love each other like never before. We are going to learn what it means to be like Jesus Christ together. And together we are going to hold each other accountable. We are going to pray for one another. And we are going to be there for one another. And when the Lord sees that, that becomes a witness. That becomes a witness. That becomes a witness that people will see and we draw many more to the kingdom. Praise the name of Jesus. In the next many weeks, we are going to reveal what this means for us as a church. We are going to create this kind of forum in our church that everyone can be part of. All right? Because, you see, as a church grows larger, some of us, have, you, have been, you have all been to our, hopefully you've attended our membership class. The essence of church is as a church grows larger, it must grow smaller. All right? Because the larger a church gets, the lesser the ability to fellowship, to truly have fellowship. All right? You're going to enjoy great worship, you know, which we do. We're going to enjoy a great atmosphere. That is wonderful. That is an element of that. We're going to have a wonderful family room experience, which we have here in Agape House of Worship. Hallelujah. But that's not just family. Family is more than family room. Family is more than what happens in the family room. All right? But we're going to extend that to the next level to truly have fellowship. So we're going to have smaller groups that everyone can really choose to belong or people can form and truly, really experience some of the things that we've been talking about here. A true disciple of Jesus Christ must participate in the fellowship of his people. A true disciple. And I really want to challenge you and encourage you that you will respond to this in the mighty name of Jesus. Are you blessed today? Are you blessed today by this? Amen. Can we bow down our heads and pray? Hallelujah. If you are here, you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. You cannot absolutely say that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I am following him. I'm surrendering to him. And if I were to die today, I know without a shadow of doubt, I will spend my eternity with Jesus. 
I'd like to pray for you. I'd like you to be able to be sure. I'd like you to just wave your hand if you, if you want to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to have that experience. If you're here, please raise up your right hand. I'd like to pray for you. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out. Raise up.